I'm excited today because of the spiritual growth that I think that we've been experiencing as a church, together in Christ. Several people have uh, actually mentioned to me how much the series on the Holy Spirit has meant to them, and I think it's doing some good stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful for not only what we're doing on Sunday mornings here and in our life groups, but what's been happening with spiritual disciplines and the, you know, all the attention to spiritual disciplines. I think that's all been great. And let me say this today, that uh, we continue to see that God has in mind for each of us a life that is more wonderful than what we typically experience or think is possible. Okay? Let me say that again. Listen carefully. What I, if, you were, if your mind wandered for a moment and you're just thinking about some man standing up there in dirty clothes, okay? I want you to listen to these words. We continue to see that God has in mind for each of us a life that is far more wonderful than what we typically experience or think is possible. And the fact is, is that we usually settle for something less, far less, than what Christ offers. And we can have way more in Christ than what we think. Two weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and following. And it talked about how we can be filled with the Spirit, which I think is a central vision for what we can be in Christ. Being filled up with the Spirit is exactly what God wants for every one of us. Instead of being angry and being people who lie and being bitter and immoral and slanderous and unforgiving and all those things that we could be, greedy, lazy, instead of all that, we can speak the truth in love, and quite literally, with a song in our hearts and praise on our lips, end up praising God. So we can speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We can make melody in our hearts to the Lord, which is really an expression of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And Christ wants that forest. God's spirit makes that possible. Malice, bitterness, slander, anger, those don't have to dominate us. Those don't have to be who we are. And so today I want to tell you how it is that God does this for us. And and if somebody was to say to me, Kelly, if you had only one sermon to preach out of this whole series of 35 lessons on the Holy Spirit, if you had only one of those that you could preach... Which one would it be? This would be the one. Romans 8 has meant an awful lot to me in the last few years. And I I have to admit that just like you, sometimes I do not allow the power of the Spirit to work in my life the way that God's Spirit wants to work within me. But I absolutely believe that the power is available for us to be so much more than what we can be on our own. And when the Spirit comes in, there can be genuine transformation that takes place in our lives. Look at this passage. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Now, what I would like to say this morning is I think we usually make a huge mistake with these verses. I think we totally blow it 
when it comes to understanding what these verses are about. Look at verse 1. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And what most of us think of when we read that verse is forgiveness. Like we read that verse and we think to ourselves, Thank God he has forgiven us in Christ. Now I want to say that, yeah, of course we are forgiven in Christ. And no doubt that stands somewhere in that passage. But do you see the word forgiveness in there anywhere? You don't. And that doesn't mean, of course, that we're not forgiven. Of course we are. But if the word isn't in there, I'm thinking maybe that's not the point. Maybe something else is the point besides forgiveness. And so I would say it's kind of like this. We, and I may need some help here. Michael, you want to come here? You want to bounce over Karen there? And, or Karen could do this. I don't care. But here's, here's what I think we do with this verse. We read the verse and we think to ourselves, this is fantastic. We're being forgiven of our sins. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because we're forgiven in Jesus. And here's what we do. We're forgiven. And so we start to, you want to come around and help me? <laughs> We start to take off our clothes because we've been forgiven. And it's so cool to be forgiven that when you get forgiven, everything is made new. Thank you, sir. (laughs) And so in Christ, because we've been forgiven, we look so much different than we did before. Because everything has changed. We've been transformed. There's no condemnation now in Christ Jesus because we've been forgiven. And I would say that there is a problem with that. Because the fact is, even though forgiven, we, if not filled with the Spirit, continue to live under an old law. And the law or the principle of sin and death which is supposed to be overcome, but which isn't always, is this. The Mosaic law plus our sinful nature equals sin and equals death. I just want you to kind of think about that for a moment. Look at what I've done there. Mosaic law plus sinful nature equals sin equals death. This is what we know. But I think this is who we think we still are. And what I'm saying is, is that forgiveness doesn't necessarily, on its own, change this equation. You find yourself, just like I do, after forgiveness, sinning. And sometimes... The power of sin over our lives seems oppressive. It seems as though, even though we are forgiven, that this law is still at work. And I'm not convinced that it is. In fact, I would say that Paul is drastically going to change this law. Now... Before it gets changed, this is how we feel. 
I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Does it sound familiar? Does that look familiar? These words are in the chapter, obviously, just before what we're looking at in Romans chapter 8. And Paul here is describing what he has felt has been his condition. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. Sometimes we still, even in Christ, after being forgiven, feel exactly like this. In fact, a lot of times we'll turn back to Romans chapter 7 and we'll say, you know what? Paul felt this way. This is exactly how Paul felt. Look at how he describes it. No wonder I feel the way I do. I'm forgiven but still feeling like sin conquers me and controls me and has this power over me. And what I want to say today is that I don't think we're reading Paul right. In verses 18 through 20 in chapter 7, I don't think we're reading about a Paul who feels like this in Christ. I think Paul is actually describing, you'd have to go back and read Romans chapter 7 and 8 for yourselves again, but I think what Paul is describing here, not how he feels in Christ, I think Paul is describing how he felt before Christ. Again, you'll have to read the context and see whether or not you think I'm right about this. I think that Paul is describing how he felt before Christ and before the Holy Spirit entered into his life. And the reason I think that is because there has been a change. Look back in your Bibles at Romans chapter 8, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and see what Paul says about the law of sin and death. Look at verses 1 and 2. What does it say? I can go back there. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, what? The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Set me free. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son, the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. Well, what that sounds to me like is this equation is no longer valid. My life is no longer controlled by the sinful nature. And therefore no longer controlled by sin. And death is no longer the result. But we oftentimes simply don't see that. And so we read Romans 1 and 2 and we think we're forgiven. But we don't see the power to overcome sin that the Spirit brings into our lives. And we end up looking like this after forgiveness. And feeling like this, powerless, unable to do and to be what God wants us to do and to be because the Spirit hasn't taken control and destroyed this equation the way that the Spirit really does want to destroy this equation. And so I think we need a new equation. And this is the equation I think Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8. That being in Christ plus being filled by the Spirit, the way that we talked about from last week in Ephesians 5.18 or two weeks ago, equals not this, but holiness. That there is a power 
to overcome sin in our lives because of the presence of the Spirit in our lives to do exactly that. And then you think, really? Can that really happen? Well, it would seem as though it can. Look at these verses. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit, or in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Well, does this look like life and peace? The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, and when Paul says you, however, he's talking about himself as well, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if you belong to Christ, everything is changed. So look back at Romans chapter 7, verse 18 again. And just read how Paul describes the person who stands not in Christ and not with the presence of the Spirit... Do you see that? Again, I can go back there. This person in Romans 7, 18 through 20 is not this person. What is the difference? What has changed? What is different now? Well, it all has to do with the presence of the Spirit. The person who lives by the Spirit looks like this. And the person who doesn't, does not. Now here's what I think we, again, do. Most Christians. Another equation. Christ plus a minimally filled nature equals spiritual dissatisfaction and continued sinfulness. I think this is where we tend to live. And obviously, this is intentional. Right? The minimally filled nature is a contrast to being filled by his spirit from Ephesians 5.18. This is where I think most of us live most of the time. And if I just, I mean, I can just ask the question, do you think this is what God wants? Does God want us to be only minimally filled with the spirit and therefore still under some kind of control of the sinful nature? And the answer is, of course not. What he wants is, as we've seen before, this. So that being in Christ and filled by the Spirit equals holiness. And so now, things can indeed change. Michael? And so we have, I think, the chance to really be what God wants us to be. And to not just be forgiven, but to instead be cleansed and, in fact, powerfully living before him as people who have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so my point would be that there are wonderful blessings that come with being filled by God's Spirit, one of which is the blessing of holiness or sanctification which simply means you think, you speak, and you behave in godly ways because of the Spirit within you.
And I think that's exactly what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to absolutely clean us up. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, we're forgiven in Jesus, but we know we're not going to live perfectly. In fact, we can't live perfect lives. And there's a part of me that wants to say, well, of course, I know that. Because I don't live a perfect life. I don't always allow the Spirit to live within me the way the Spirit wants to live within me. But I would want to say today that theoretically, this notion of Christian perfection is possible. Because the Spirit makes it possible. And the only hindrance there is not that my nature is still so corrupted that I can't possibly be free from sin. Instead, the Spirit has actually changed me. The Spirit has transformed me. And I don't have to try and be something that I'm not. Instead, I have to be what I am. Because this is what He's done. He's transformed me and made me new. And I am, in fact, a new person with a spiritual nature, not the old sinful nature. And so the sinful nature is not going to dominate me the way that it has in the past. If, in fact... I'm ready to allow the Spirit to work. And here's the teaser for today. Because at this point, somebody's going to say, okay, that sounds good, but why is it then that you still keep saying that we have sin in our lives? And that's a very good question. And I have to admit that I wrestle with that. Like if the Holy Spirit has come into me, why is it that I sometimes am so weak? And of course, the answer is not that it's the weakness of the Holy Spirit. It's because I don't always offer myself to God. And so here's the teaser. I want you to turn to Romans 6. I didn't put this on the screen. Maybe I should have. But turn back to Romans chapter 6. And read with me, or at least listen to these words. And and this comes in the context of someone who has been buried with Christ in baptism. And they have been united with Christ in his death. And the old self is gone and the new life has come. These are in the verses up above this. And then look at verse 11. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, just think about that for a moment. Dead to sin. Is that how you feel most of the time? Do you feel absolutely dead to sin as if it has no control over you at all because it's dead? A lot of times not. But Paul says, count yourself dead to sin. Think of yourself dead to sin. Realize that you are dead to sin. And he's not trying to tell us to think of something about ourselves that isn't true. He's trying to tell us to think about ourselves in a way that is true. You are dead to sin. Count yourselves, then, dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. And then he says something so important. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as though those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. 
And so what Christ does in bringing his grace is he plants in us also the spirit and the freedom of grace and spirit together make us a new person. And the old sinful nature is dead. And I'm dead to sin. And I simply need to continue to offer myself to God constantly. And sin then has no control. Now just think about this. If you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but still, what if I can't do that or something? Okay, Or what if I don't do that? What if every moment that we were tempted by sin, we said to ourselves, God, I want to offer myself to you anew. God, I want to give my heart to you right now. Again, I just want to offer myself to you. What happens when you offer yourselves to God? The power for overcoming sin is present in the life of a Christian who has the Spirit indwelling them because they have offered themselves to God. And when you offer yourself to God, the Spirit is there. And the Spirit, with His control, allows us to actually eradicate sin from our lives and to be genuinely transformed and changed. We have been made new. And we simply don't have to live the way we have lived in the past. And so if you're a person today who can't seem to get a handle on this new life in Christ, and you cannot be, it seems, what God wants you to be, and you have failed and you have failed and you've made progress and then failed, and so you read Romans 7 and you think, Paul was the same way. I'm always going to be this way. I'll never get beyond this. The very things that I don't want to do, those I'm going to keep on doing. And I would say, no. That is not at all where we need to be in Christ. We don't have to be there because there are wonderful blessings that come with being filled by God's Spirit. One of which is the blessing of holiness or sanctification, which simply means you think, speak, and behave in godly ways because of the Spirit within you. And so offer yourselves to Him. And that is going to be our reality. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you today for the gift of life in Christ. And we certainly praise you for forgiveness, all the sins that we've committed in the past and the ones we will commit in the future, God. We thank you for the forgiveness that we have received. But today, God, I'm thankful for even more than forgiveness. I'm thankful for the power that we've received through your Son and your Spirit to be what we can't be. And Father, I pray that you enable every one of us to simply offer ourselves to allow our lives to be open to your spirit coming and empowering us and changing us, making us new, making us perfect. We pray through Jesus. Amen.